man. Talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Center pass. Shot missed the goal. And it's clear to Puck77.com And uh, I am James Cole, also of Ooh, new job uh, dis- uh, Laced Up Hockey Podcast This is for the week ending December 14th uh, You are of Puck77.com now See you at work, man Yeah See you there As of this See you around the office Yeah No offices well, one, yet, but uh, we're working on it One week apart, you know We couldn't go couldn't go a week without, you know Yeah Teaming up No kidding yeah. Jesus Christ Yeah well, thanks so, for following. So I'm, uh, I'm covering the the blues. Oh boy, yeah. this is going to be a fun episode for you this week because uh, basically how this uh, episode's going to work is because uh, we, you know, as you know, we cover the current events around the NHL. We're pretty much just going to preview every single one of James's pieces with Puck Seventy Seven over the next month because holy hell, did a lot happen in the last week since we left you with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. That is a tire fire if I've ever seen one. But I just uh, have to sound somewhat knowledgeable on the subject. So like you watch blues games. Can't mail it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to start watching blues games. So hard. What an era for you to start writing. Why didn't you why, like? Why didn't you go with a better team? You could have picked a different team. It's only a couple options. I didn't love any. Like at least I have a blues jersey. Like the blues are a team that I've always kind of liked. But you know, you know what's going to be meant. Is you know like I go to Winnipeg and I watch games, so I'll have like first-hand experiences. And you're, I gotta go to St. You gotta Louis. go to St. Louis, buddy. Oh, such a, have oh. have fun in St. Louis. Is there anything to do in St. Louis? I, I go to Blues games. There's probably worse cities that have professional sports teams. It's better than going to Green Bay. Actually, maybe not even the in-game mm-hmm. experience is probably better probably. in Green Bay. Yeah. Well, whatever. Have fun. Right. Um, how, how are things with you, man? Have you finished your Christmas shopping? Are you all eh, done shopping? Do I some got, shopping? Uh, I got one or two people left in the list. So, nice. You know, getting close. Right on. Yeah. That's good. You? Um, well, I started a month ago. I haven't actually bought any gifts, but I started. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> started looking, so that's half the battle. I uh, I got a birthday coming up next week, and I, uh, I generally do my shopping on my birthday. I spend all of my money. On other people on my it's birthday. It's a really weird so. strategy. I don't know. Well, it's I never just, really got it's just that. like it's the one day every year that I uh, that I have off in December for sure, and then it's uh, it's close enough to Christmas where it's like fuck, I gotta do this now. So sure, yep. So yeah. it's probably uh, hopefully I get some stuff done maybe tomorrow or something. But right on. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, I think I think we have to plug something too at the beginning of the podcast here. 
Well, I'm going to have to do this ad just impromptu. I'm just yeah. going to make it all up. I so probably I'm, should have made a script. I'm really interested to see how this goes. So, for those of you who like to do a little bit of, uh, of boozing or, uh, you know, socializing during the Christmas season, um, there is a, a charitable event at the Red Lion Smokehouse on Friday, December 21st. So that's next Friday, a week from today, I guess, or whatever. Um, there is a Christmas party there. And there's donations at the front door. The proceeds will be going to Camp Quality. Uh, it's organized by our good friend Joe Willis, who will not be a guest on the podcast, but he's a friend of the show. Basically what happened is he used to have a party in his basement every year on December 23rd. And it was our Festivus party for those of you Seinfeld fans. The party used to be maybe 20 people in Joe's basement. And now we got like a couple hundred people going to the Red Lion Smokehouse on December 21st. So it's come a long way. But uh, if you're looking for something to do next Friday, it's definitely for a good cause. It's going to be a great time. There is a live band. There is a live DJ. Hopefully Joe is not emceeing, so you'll have a great time. Ran into uh, Joe's mother uh, the other day nice. while I was Christmas shopping. She informed me that she is on door duty. <laughs> and I told her, very seriously. Because who, who else would yeah, be, right? I said to her, there's there's no re-entry. If you leave, don't let them back in, Julie. Do not let them back in. They're out. Well, no, they can come back in. They just got to pay again. Donate more oh, to Camp Quality. Okay. Right? That's, that's not you don't bad. Wanna, you don't want to limit the income here, that's James. Fair. You know, we want a big, hefty donation for Camp Quality. Yeah. Oh, because we all know, you know, certain people are going to leave and try to make the rounds with their bars. and you know, It's not a bar crawl, people. Yeah. Spend this your money a fundraiser. on the charity. Yeah. Let's I go. like how we already got a bunch of rules. That's good. Yep. Yeah, you, you're going to go to this party. All it is is rules. But yeah, you should come out. It's going to be a great time if you're not doing anything that night. Uh, you don't need a ticket to get in. It's uh, $5 at the door, and it's 100 to leave. So should we talk hockey? That's what we're here for, Here I we guess. go. I yeah. guess let's do it. Zach Hyman got suspended two games. What do you think? It was a bad hit. It I, wasn't great. I don't know. If it wasn't great. I didn't love the two-game suspension. I don't know I'm, if I'm not going to lie. But, no. yes, okay, so... I was busy Saturday night. I don't remember what I did, but I, I, I didn't really watch the game. Uh, I saw a bit of the third, so I've only seen the hit on replays. Mm. Uh, what was the penalty assessed? Ooh, good call, because there was a fight immediately he after. Didn't, he didn't get a, a five in a game or anything, did he? I don't think so. I didn't no. hear of a five no. in a game. He got, he got five. I think he got five for boarding, but he didn't get a game. Don't you automatically get five? Or don't you automatically get a game if you get a five? You know what? No. Okay, this is this is, this what is a I good mean. hockey podcast, people. We didn't watch the game. We don't know how the rules yeah, work. No, 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 no. Sorry. The uh, the fight that came right after that that's kind of what threw me off was the fight kind of got in the way of the whole thing. But the Bruins defenseman that hopped in, I think it was Grizzlick, he got two minutes for instigating. So after like all was said and done, it was five on five because Hyman got two minutes for okay. interference or boarding. I can't remember what it was, and then so it was a wash. But he didn't get tossed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The part that I kind of found uh, hilarious about it, and we're going to get to the Chris Wagner incident as well in a second, because uh, we're going to talk about that game, because it was apparently quite an eventful game, that I, the one the one Leaf game of the year that okay. I don't watch. That's not the whole thing. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> that's one, not one where I'm going home and I'm watching back, that's for sure. Yeah. Hyman made a comment about how he's not going to change the way he plays. Which I which I yeah. thought was cute because like if anything Hyman needs to throw more hits like yeah. that he sh- he shouldn't but like if anything he needs to get a little more gritty well not gritty but like a little more physical I guess sure and uh, yeah so for whatever reason I don't know he he got two games so he served uh, 
Tuesday night in Carolina, and then he'll surf uh, Thursday night in... I was hoping you could rhyme that uh, off right away. In, they're on the uh, road. I can't remember where. In, oh, no. In Florida. Surf Road Florida. City here. They're down in Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, he'll be back Saturday night in... Tampa. Nice. You yeah. did pretty good. We got a fucking Saturday night game in Tampa? It's Saturday the way around. Saturday well, they're Florida. not at home. I know that, yeah. so... Okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I... Uh, two games? Uh, I just... He's got no history with the DOPS. Um, so okay. they, they talked about the predatory nature of the hit. Well, it, it was no less like it was no more predatory than Ryan Reeves. Well, hit. okay, and that's what I was going to say because I, I didn't really want to talk about the Reeves one too much because many people on Twitter were freaking out. Yeah, I didn't think that that was a suspendable hit, but I thought that was closer to a suspendable hit. Like, if you're going to use the word predatory. The Reeves hit was more predatory to me. Yeah, yeah, he, you know what I mean. It's just like I didn't, I didn't think he got the head really, but no. um, yeah, I, I don't know. But I it's thought a it dangerous was dangerous hit. Too, but I, I don't know if it was two games. Yeah, worthy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then so then there's the Wagner hit. Yeah. On Riley. Yeah. Ron Hainsey jumps in, is instantly a Toronto Maple Leaf legend for his. Uh, Five second scrap against Chris Wagner, yeah. and I uh, listen. I will defend that man to the death, and I don't want to hear anyone ever say anything bad about Ronald Hainsey again. That guy is a goddamn. He should be on the. He should get that Leafs statue, Leafs Row. What is it? What's it called again? Murderers know. Row outside of uh, Air Canada Center. No, <laughs> fuck. It's not even. Holy shit! Just him with his. I I'm real off this week. Yeah, I don't know. So that was meant. Yeah, I thought that was mint. Would it like? Did you think that was a suspendable hit? I didn't really either. I I thought it could have been a lot worse. If oh yeah, you know like well, first off, Chris Wagner is sort of lucky. Yeah, in a way because he's like five ten. He's not a very big guy, no. so he can kind of throw these hits, and he's not going to get as much into it. If like Tom Wilson did that, or Ryan right, Reeves did right. that, like Ryan Reeves is a freaking behemoth, man. Like. He'll, he would kill a guy if he did that. Yeah. But, uh... uh and then it, he got murdered. It, it was a clear retaliatory move. You know, he just took out our star defenseman. We're going to take well, out your star yeah, defenseman. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, the Bruins are not going to miss Chris Wagner if he gets suspended for a few games. Right. Or gets hurt in a fight. Yeah. The Leafs will miss Zach Hyman to a degree. They See, didn't really on Tuesday night. But. See, like, I, I didn't take that mantra up on on Twitter after the game. Like, a lot of I saw a lot of Leaf fans talking about, like, "Oh, you're going to suspend Hyman? How come you can't suspend Wagner?" And I get why you can't suspend Wagner. Wow, well, because it's different hits. But if if you want to talk about the predatory nature of a hit, that was very predatory. He just yeah. didn't complete the hit. He just didn't so land the hit. Yeah. If if the goal here is to like downplay or, or like you know get those predatory hits out of the game. Why not suspend a guy like Wagner, even though he didn't make the hit? You know what was going through his mind. Yeah. Hey, don't do that again. Here's a game. I didn't even hit the guy. Exactly. If you did, just imagine. I'm sick of these little... This is going to be the most old boys hockey rant nice. I might ever have. But I am sick of these little rats in the league. Like your Wagners and your, your Ronaldos and your... You know what I mean? These guys that just run around. They're little and all they do is like cheap shot you every once in a while 
There are no enforcers to get them out of the game anymore, so they can just run around and do whatever they want. There's no accountability. It drives me nuts. I can't stand Chris Wagner. I've never liked him where, at all. Where are the Gary Roberts of days old? And oh, I tell you what, boy, you know, back when guys like David Savenko, you know, and fuck, you wouldn't be running around doing that. Let me tell you. Too many Europeans in the game now. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> they got that Zay Steph on the blue line there. Yeah. Making $4.5 million a year. Meanwhile, you got a good Toronto boy, Connor Carrick. They trade him. I don't know what's going on. That Dubas, man, let me tell you. So, yeah. My Don Cherry's yeah. pretty much my Pierre Maguire. It's, they're not far off. Yeah. yeah. But up, up, Eddie. It's the same thing. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, okay, so we can move on. The Blues. The Blues. Your hometown Blues, eh? Ghost. The Spirit of St. Louis. Oh, Think of all the puns that you're going to make in all your article titles yeah. there, eh, eh, Jimmy? Oh, you bet. Yeah. Um, so, so, it's not going great in Missouri. No. So, we'll start off, I guess, with maybe Vladimir Tarasenko apologizing to the fans of the team um, after some loss. I don't remember who they were playing. Uh, basically saying that things are not going right right now. They don't know how to fix it. We're not playing well at home. Um, you guys deserve better and all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, I I love it by Tarasenko. I don't love the wording, but again, like he is one of those guys you have to remember that English is not his first language. So sometimes when these guys word things, you have to be a little bit careful with assessing how they word it. Um, I didn't love that he said we don't know how to fix it. Um, that to me kind of was misleading. But again, I, he was just, I think, trying to be honest, so I'm not really going to hold him to the stake quite as much as I might another player. Yeah. Which may or may not be unfair, I don't know. That kind of began what's been an interesting week. I guess, I guess we'll talk about everything all at once, eh? So sure, then, sure. Uh, good Thunder Bay boy and, uh, you know, potential friend of the podcast, Robert Bertuzzo, uh, got into a little uh, scrapola at practice with uh, teammate Zach Sanford. They went at it. Bertuzzo and Sanford were separated by coach Chris Butler. That was pretty much the end of that. We see it all the time. But it happened... In... You see it all the time in teams that are in poor situations standing-wise. A lot of times, too, it's been guys that have been on a team together longer than a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Placanitz, Scrap, and Subban, was it, I think, like, in Something practice? Like that, yeah. They played together for, like, five years. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They knew each other. But you don't see, like, the Washington Capitals or the Columbus Blue Jackets getting in scraps in practice. Why? Because they're atop the division. Yeah. There's no reason. Everything is fine. Well, when things get blown over at those practices, right, it's not... It's more... Like, you split them up, but it would be more funny than it would be kind of concerning. And I mean, I'm not saying that this is overly concerning, because again, it does happen. But it is interesting because of the state of the St. Louis Blues right now. Uh, And to basically sum up the rest of it, a report came out today that the St. Louis Blues are making most of their roster available through trade. They didn't explicitly state who would be untouchable in that organization. I can't imagine anything other than maybe Robert Thomas at this point would be off the board. Because Um, he's so smooth. That's a Santana and Rob Thomas reference there, kids. Back to 1999. 
Yeah, your mom probably has it on CD. Yeah, somewhere. that's yeah, it's on that her. it's on her now. That's what I call music CD. Actually, my mom's got the, the Grammy nominee uh, CD. Oh dear that was God! A big one you remember too. those? Yeah. Those were Mambo good. number five. Oh man, I had the one. I had the one the one year with like "Where Is the Love" by uh, Black Eyed Peas, and I think "Clocks" by Coldplay was on there. Nice. I used to play the shit out of that CD. Banger. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so um, things aren't good in St. Louis. No, they are most certainly are not. Um, there's been some connection with uh, some some possible defensemen getting traded uh, to certain Ontario oh, teams. So let's just talk about this for a second, too, on a little sidebar. Don't you love how everyone on Twitter rips Nick Kiprios about not knowing what he's talking about, and yet the second... He makes up a trade rumor. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Makes up a trade rumor. All of Leafs Twitter is like, well, here's what we should give up for Petrangelo. It's like, yeah, I get that he potentially is a trade target. But just because Nick Kiprio said it doesn't mean it's true. Like, we we, yeah. we chirp this guy all the time for the nonsense and the and the lack of credibility that comes out of his mouth. And then all of a sudden he's talking about Alex Petrangelo coming to the Leafs. Now we listen to what he's saying just because we like what we're hearing. We're getting rid of Zaitsev and we're getting Petrangelo. Oh, well, this is awesome. No, it's not happening. It might happen. It does make sense. It's easy to connect teams. You know what I mean? Like, the Hurricanes need a goal scorer. So automatically, should I say Tarasenko's going there? Well, that's a good fit. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I thought Leafs Twitter was kind of hilarious this week. As a Leaf fan, fuck do I ever hate Leaf fans. I can't, I can't stand it. Like, the guy's slated to make $6.5 million next year. Like, this is a team that's got its own cap issues right. internally. Like, they can't just be bringing in a guy like Petrangelo because it makes sense for right. St. Louis trade in Toronto. It's like, workable, right? It's just, there's, the there's right a lot more moving pieces. pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I don't know. Like, as for St. Louis... You know, you, you got to figure this is a team that came into this season with a lot of expectations. You know, really rebuilt yeah. that front, that offense. Um, the defense didn't look terrible last season. They they got some good pieces. The goalie was always going to be a question mark. I, I don't I don't think anyone went into the season thinking you know oh we're safe we got Jake Allen, but. It, no, if you, did, worse, if you did, you're, you're really yeah. rose-colored glasses I, on I that think it's one. been worse than even what the average fan would, would have expected. They're in a division, too, good. right now, where you kind of knew what to expect in, in terms of the top end. You're looking at Colorado, Nashville, Winnipeg. And then with the, with the drop-off from Chicago, there was almost this sense of, you know, maybe this is St. Louis's you know chance. You know, the, those division rivals, they're out of the way. Yeah, you took them as the fourth playoff team, didn't you? I, I think, think I did, I th- too. I think so, yeah. So, if would it, you say that they're in a position, though? Because, like, don't get me wrong, I see how bad this is. Yeah. I get it, it doesn't look good. Do you think that this is a team that maybe would be, like, a, like one trade away from maybe kind of putting this back together somewhat though like do you think because i mean like look back maybe what three podcasts ago we were talking about how they weren't doing great and they need to kind of weather the storm here and you know what i mean turn turn the, i guess turn the ship around before it gets really ugly and we were talking about all the rumors about jimmy howard potentially going there like is this a team that you think if they throw a couple picks out and 
Jimmy Howard and I don't know a, a defenseman like Mike Green come back the other way? Do you like? Do you think they're that close, or, or is this a team that needs a complete teardown? I don't think they need a complete teardown. Because they're not young, is the one thing. They're not old, but they kind of are at that point where it's like, if they're... they retool and say it takes two, three years, you're stuck out, what, Petrangelo, say he resigns. He's going to be 30 by then. Yeah. Pareko would be 28, 28, I guess. Their forward group is not all that young. Like, that would take Tarasenko to being, what, 29, probably? It's 26 what is it, 26 right now, now? Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's one of those things... You but could, you could try to have... retool, 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 and if it doesn't work, then you're, the rebuild's going to be even harder. They do have then. some nice pieces coming up, though, and that's part of it. It's, yeah, i got to look that up, I think. Like, they've... You're not wrong. Like, in a couple years, yeah, they'll be old. But in a couple years, some of the pieces they have right now, like Rob Thomas, are going to be at that stage where... Under the ocean... <laughs> They're contributing to the lineup, right? The emotion and I, I think if you can take away some of the issues on defense, like Jay Bowmeister, and solidify your goaltending, they're not that far off. I, I think, again, I've said this a few times on the podcast, I, I think a lot of their struggles offensively ha- have just been a result of adding too many pieces all at once and expecting it to work out this this team has really had a high turnover in terms of its forward core over the last few years you've, you've seen guys like tj oshi come and go david backies come and go well uh, yeah and i mean we've talked about a lot of times how in sports it's not just in hockey like people will react to a transaction not working because the first 10 15 games don't go all that smooth and you got to remember like in every sport it takes adjustment to a new team like even in baseball, where it's literally just swinging a bat and put it in, like, you know, you have to get used to hitting a certain style, depending where you're hitting in the lineup, different ballparks, you know. So, yeah, like, because th- I do remember saying about a month, month and a half ago that I thought St. Louis would be fine, and that this is just kind of a product of the new guys just trying to work together in a new system. Like, it- it's really not easy when you rebuild completely at center ice, too. Because you got to remember, I, I don't know who's playing fourth-line center for them right now. But the top three were not there a year and a half ago. They were all on other teams. That that doesn't make it easy. And, yeah, I, I do kind of wonder how, how, how they're going to go about it. But you think that it's still there? You still think that there's, like, redeemable... It's... Because it's tough. Like, they're, they're at a really big crossroads, I think. I, I think this season is a lost cause. I think if you can go into the offseason maintain a lot of your key pieces maybe shed you know some of those expiring contracts at the trade deadline you know get some rentals off your hands you're gonna get a a decent pick i think at the draft grab somebody but don't give up on this this core i i don't yeah i don't know they craig berube i'm sorry he's not the answer behind the bench and no i think they know that because he was he was an he's an interim yeah. right so yeah. when they find that are guy and again I hate to say it, but he's he's still out there, and I think it's it's something that they're going to explore in Joel Quenville. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I look at this team. I like Tarasenko. I like what he brings. Petrangelo's steady back there. You got a guy like Fabry, who I think you got that Fabry. He's 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 got it. He's just he's been off for like he's been not playing hockey for so long now. It's it's not going to be something that he picks up again. 
uh, two months into the season. Well, yeah, it's it's going to be, like, let's not kid ourselves, though. It's going to be really tough for Robbie Fabry to become the player that we thought he could. Yeah. Um, but I think there's enough there. Because I think we all sort of thought that Fabry was going to be basically what Max Domi has been this year. Like, just an absolute dynamic star-scoring winger. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be tough to get back to form, for sure. He's still young enough where, you know, yeah, I don't think we need to give up on him yet, but... No. Sort of on a, like, I guess an unrelated note. I don't know if we're done with St. Louis here yet, but I did see, too, like... Because, like, Jimmy Howard is one of the goalies that they're targeting, apparently. And the Red Wings want at least a first-round pick for Jimmy Howard. Did you see this, too? Yeah, he's not worth a first-round pick. No, that's kind of... Like, he's having a good year on not a great team. Yeah. He's doing really, really well. He has also had some not-so-good seasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I get that Ken Holland's trying to maximize his return. Maybe it's one of those, like... (laughs) If you if you if you say you want a first round pick, you know you teams get teams get them. Teams will give you a second. And they'll be like, "Oh man, we didn't have to give up a first. And then you're like, "Because <laughs> what did what did Mrazek go for at the deadline last year? Oh god, I don't a know. Third? He's terrible. Yeah. I think a third. Yeah. Like, I'll split the difference. Say maybe maybe Jimmy Howard's worth a second. But yeah, oh, I, he's got to keep I'd it up pay. until the deadline. A first is a tough sell for me. Yeah. Though. Like, I don't think a team is going to be picking up a guy in December to fill, like, their He's starting He's a really position. underrated goalie. Like, I'll give him that. That's fair. He's a career 9-15 save percentage. All right. That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think St. Louis needs to just not push the panic button, so to speak, and uh, blow the whole thing so up. So you are not pushing the panic not button yet. on St. Louis. Not yet. It's not good. It's, it's nowhere near where they want to be. It's nowhere near where I think a lot of us thought they'd be. But... Give it a year. Let's see where we're at, and then we'll maybe start talking really overhauling this roster. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do a total teardown. Uh, what I will say is, I do think that they are going to move out some pieces. I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here by saying this at this point, and I don't know if this is going to be news. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not from Thunder Bay, Ontario, I don't see Robert Bertuzzo making it much longer in St. Louis. I think he's going to be moved out. Um, the fact of the matter is that their blue line needs to get faster and not tougher. Um, Bortz is not getting faster. He seems to be getting tougher. The other problem is that the Blues have a lot of faith in Zach Sanford. And if there is any issues there, which I don't imagine there's anything huge... If there is issues there, they're gonna side with Sanford. But even that fight aside, I don't, I don't see that they have a lot of purpose for him long term. Yeah. But he is a serviceable NHL defenseman, so I think he'll get, he'll get a spot somewhere else. But I could see them moving him out. I do think they will move out Colton Pareko. I think he'll be the casualty here, if anyone. Um, look, he is still pretty young. You can build around him. But I think because you already have Petrangelo as your captain, as sort of the face of your team, and if you don't want to blow it right up, you know, you've got Pareko playing second line pairing there. You have that ice time you could give to someone who's younger and, and try to develop someone there, whether it be a, uh, a Jordan Schmaltz or something like that, but um, or whatever you may get for Pareko. But I think he's sort of the big fish that would probably get a lot of teams enticed. I'd be sh- pretty surprised if they moved Tarasenko. You know, I, I was saying Eric Carlson was not tradable. 
and then a year later he got traded. Yeah, it, you know it what I mean. I put return. I put him in the Sidney Crosby boat at one point, and I would never put Tarasenko in that kind of conversation. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it depends on the return for a guy like Tarasenko. I, I don't think you can just look at it and say no. It's that's tough. We want a first round pick and a prospect. Like you need someone that can play like right now. Yeah. It's a it's a big loss. Yeah, know? it's it's going to be hard to find a team that's going to give up probably what Tarasenko's worth. Yeah. The problem is if Tarasenko is going to continue scoring at this pace and we're at the trade deadline and he's played 58 games and he has 18 goals, like, why, you know what I mean? Why are you going to break open the cupboards and give up all the cookies? Right. Anything else in St. Louis there, Mr. St. Louis Raider? No, um, i got to save a little bit of mystique for the... Mystique? Yeah. Ooh. The writing. Well, good for you. Thanks. The Edmonton Oilers are looking good. With uh, Mr. You could Mr. Say, Ken Hitchcock. You could say they're looking slick. You know, like an oil yeah, slick. Yeah, I, I got you, like an, like an oil spill. Um, the Edmonton Oilers are 7-2-1 and one since hiring Ken Hitchcock. Has it been 10 games already? Yes. That's wild. Yes. Um, thoughts? Hey, you ain't going to find me saying anything bad about Ken Hitchcock. Guy knows how to coach. Yeah, he's making that abundantly clear at the moment, too. Because he just took a ragtag team of defensemen. Uh, you know, one there's one defenseman on that team, and then there's a bunch of guys that try to play defense. And uh, he's making it work. In, well, front of, in front of Miro Koskinen, no less. The unfortunate thing for the Edmonton Oilers is they actually do who do have two good defensemen. One of them hasn't played a game this year. The other one now in Clefbaum is going to be out for a while, it looks like. Yeah. So that that's really going to make things tricky. I mean, it, people tend to forget, too, because, you know, he, he didn't do a great job in Dallas. But if you're comparing the Edmonton Oilers to the Dallas Stars, listen, the Oilers have a better roster this year than the Dallas Stars had last year. Like, Hitch has more to work with. He has the best player in the league. He has another one of the better players in the league. Like, yeah, he had Ben and, and Sagan there, and they're both really, really good. But that lineup drops off really hard after their superstars in Dallas. You know, now in Edmonton, he has some depth. Like, it's not amazing depth, but he has more guaranteed NHL players than I think the Dallas Stars did last year. Another thing he has there, apparently, is a goaltender that can stop pucks which he didn't have a ton of. No. Because Bishop was not amazing last year for Dallas. Um, When's so, the last time Ken Hitchcock had a good goaltender? Uh, Bobrovsky? Was Bobrovsky there when he was in Columbus? No. I don't think so. So, like, we're talking, like, who is who is that guy in the early 2000s? We're talking Ed Belfour. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're talking about Ed Belfour. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good for you, Hitch. Yeah. Third all-time winning who, as coach. Who the hell was the Blue Jackets goalie when he was there? Mark Denis? Was it uh, Steve Mason? Probably. Yeah. And he made Steve Mason look good. Also, Pascal LeClaire, who had some good seasons with Hitch. Oh, boy. <laughs> now he's got the new Pascal LeClaire. Miro yeah. Miko Koskinen is the new Pascal Leclerc. You heard it here, folks. Well, as of as of last night, the Oilers are now back in the playoff position. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, is it going to happen? It's tough. It's that's that's pretty tight. Like like Dallas and Minnesota are hanging around. Right I don't there. care what anyone says. Everyone shits on that division. That division's so much damn fun. 
I love that division because it's just a tire fire and you have no idea what's going on all the time. It's amazing. I love that division. The Anaheim Ducks give up 40 fucking shots a night. They're in a playoff spot. Yeah. It's amazing. I love we it. Are, we are currently slated, if, if things were to end today, which is uh, crazy to say because we still have over double to go, um, but we would get the Battle of Alberta in round one if, if things stayed the way they are now. And... Um, I, I think I think you know as as NHL fans we've been through a lot. We've got a lockout coming. We deserve a <laughs> battle of Alberta. We we need this. It, it's time. We haven't had a playoff battle of Alberta since 1990. I could be wrong. I don't even know. I I I, could be I, wrong. I don't 1990, remember. What. I think was the last one. I mean, I would remember it from the 2000s because the both those teams were tough as hell yeah so if it happened i would remember it so yeah it's got to be the early 90s yeah so it's time we're, we're due I'm, I'm down yeah yep. let's go yeah sign me up well and we're going to talk about the flames in a, in, a, in a minute here but do you think the oilers like because cleft bombs getting out there a lot mcdavid's not leaving the ice a lot do you think now like say cleft bombs out for a couple months is do they have to make a move for a defenseman, do you think? They should. I don't know what they can do, though. That's the thing, right? Like, if you want a Colton Pareko... You gotta give something up. You're probably moving out Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Hitch is not down for that right now. Even if he's only there for the year, Hitch is not down for you to move yeah. out Nugent Hopkins. Um, so who's your next best option? Like, you're not gonna go up the depth chart and move out Dreisaitl. But who's the next guy down? Like Ryan Spooner? They're at a point now where they have to decide if if someone like Cam Talbot is expendable. If there's anything they can get for him, but then you're putting all your marbles in. <laughs> give your me old Cam. Hoskinen. Give me Cam Talbot to St. Louis right now. Give me Cam Talbot. Let's do it. Let's just fuck things up. Because then, like, what's the alternative? You're talking about trading away your first round pick. Well. If it doesn't work out and you slip back out of the playoffs, you know, you now you've lost your first round pick. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing, right? By the time Edmonton will be in a position where they feel confident enough to mortgage their first round pick, Clefbaum should be back by then. But the problem is if you don't make a move right now, you could slip out of the playoff spot to the point where now you're really gambling, and you still move your first-round pick at the deadline, but now you don't even know if you're going to make the playoffs. If you make the move now, maybe you can solidify, do even more at the deadline if you if you have the option. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be tough to see what they're going to do right now without Clefbaum once we get news on how long he's out. Uh, I think I read online before we started recording that there is probably some broken fingers and he may need surgery. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But that's not I, definite yet. I thought I heard four to six weeks, but okay. I guess that still could be evaluated. Well, four to six weeks, I, I think they would take that at this point. Right. And then I don't know if there's any news at all on Andre Sekera, on Sekera. So, you know, they, they kind of have to take it day by day right now. We'll see what happens. Um, ideally, they, they trade Pete Chiarelli to the St. Louis Blues for Colton Pareko. But, okay. Speaking of the goaltending carousel around the league, the Phoenix Coy or sorry, the Arizona Coyotes. Fuck, heard Bob McKenzie make that mistake this week. Bob McKenzie still calls them the Phoenix Coyotes. 
We're all ruined. Our brains are all warped. The Arizona Coyotes goaltender, Antti Ranta, is possibly out for the remainder of the season. And Aiden Hill is now the goaltender in Arizona. Him and Darcy Kemper share that crease. It's not a bad goaltending duo, though. Because I've always felt that Darcy Kemper may be the best backup goalie in the league. He's up there. So, if you've got Kemper starting like 35% of the games and you've got Aiden Hill doing two-thirds of what he's done so far, I think they're in a good spot. I really, like I say this over and over again, I really, really like the organizational depth of the Coyotes. I'm not putting Michael up... Bunting scored in his first NHL game last night, James. I'm not putting up red flags, but Aiden Hill has not been great the last two games. And the two games before that... Sounds like you're pushing the panic button. ...were against St. Louis and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Sorry, St. Louis and L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers look good, but I don't know if the numbers are telling the whole story. I was uh, I was watching some highlights of him. He does look pretty good the way he moves in the net. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, it's yeah. a small sample size. Right, it's hard to it say. Is. He is a young guy. Like, they do have some faith in him. He is kind of their goaltending prospect. So, I'm sure that they know things that maybe we don't. You'd have to hope. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. So, are they in trouble? Do they have to make a move? Is Jimmy Howard an option? Cam Talbot an option? Okay, so Jake Allen an option? A, a, a few days ago, I, I said we were discussing what we wanted to talk about, and I, I mentioned how uh, there was something I thought of, and I, I couldn't remember at the time, and, and I remember now what it was. You got a crackpot trade theory? No. Oh, okay. I have a question for you, and it kind of pertains to this, and it's just a little little bubble off to the side here. Okay. Are we at a point now, and we've got Seattle coming into the league in a few years, but are, are we at a point now where there's just not enough goaltending talent to go around? It's possible. I think we're there. It's possible. I mean, they continue to make the goaltending equipment smaller, and scoring goes up until they figure out how to make saves with the goaltending equipment, and... Like I'm, it I'm, happens all the time. I'm all against the continuation of this dead puck era that we've been in since the '90s. I, I like having these games where we've got you know four or five goals and teams are going back and forth, and Connor David can put up four points, five points, whatever it is, in a night. But at the same time, I'm, I'm starting to wonder like, are are the goalies just not as good? Like, is there not enough? You know, talent across the board for 32 franchises to have two goalies each. Because we're talking about a lot of teams, it seems like, where one guy goes down, and now, unless you have a prospect come in who just stands on his head, you're not in great shape. So, that's the point I would make, though, and you kind of just said it right there, is unless you have a prospect come in and kind of dominate, well, that is sort of where we've been at where the goaltending market establishes itself for years. You know what I mean? Like, the Red Wings called up Jimmy Howard, and they didn't have any expectations for him, and now he's 34, and he's still on the Red Wings. The Leafs called up James Reimer, because they had no, you know what I mean, no other option, and he's been in the league for seven years now, and it's it happens all the time. Like, same thing with Lundqvist, right? Like, Lundqvist was just a random fucking start on a Thursday night kind of thing, and now... He's the king. Sure. I, I do think, to a degree, that's kind of how we learn about these goaltenders anyway. 
And to answer your question, I would say I don't know if a lot of teams in the league really know how to assess goaltending anyway. Because, as I just said, Aiden Hill looks good. Doesn't mean he's a good goalie. Corey Crawford looks terrible when I watch him. To me, he fucking looks like he's nervous. He's ready to have a mental breakdown every time. He he won a Stanley Cup. He's been in the league for a long time. So, it's hard to evaluate goaltending, I would say. And my answer to you is I have no earthly idea if we're running out of talent or not. Because uh, I'm not sure a lot of people know exactly what that is. Other than goaltending coaches and, and you know, people that watch tons and tons of film. Yeah. Because we, we look at what happened to Vegas last year. Where they had a few injuries. And everyone started writing them off. And they just got enough. You know, they, they scrapped enough together to kind of keep themselves afloat. Yeah. Until Fleury came back and, and carried them the rest of the way. But it just seems like we're always talking about, like, you know, in Edmonton, you know, Cam Talbot's kind of falling back to Koskinen. Well, there's no guarantees with Koskinen. So is this team going to crumble when one or two of those guys come back to earth? Right. Are the Coyotes done just because their goalie's out? You know what I mean? Like, this, that's a talented hockey team. And are, are they done because their goalie got hurt? Well, like, that shouldn't happen to a team that's competitive that's you know striving for sure championship on the line like tampa they lost fast let's see their their season could have been over if domingue you know doesn't play the way domingue has been playing mm-hmm. and i don't think anyone expected domingue to play to the level that he's been at mind you tampa is a good team well and that that's where i'm gonna with my rebuttal to you it's not always the case in the league, because I've said it before on the podcast, too, where good teams should be able to find a way to win with exactly. almost any goaltender. That's not always the case, but there are a lot of examples. Like, it's the same thing. You have these examples in other sports. In football, there's such a thing as a system quarterback. He works in a system and arguably wouldn't be as good on another team. And, and a prime example people have, have argued for years is Tom Brady is as good as he is because Bill Belichick's his coach, and they play a certain way, and Brady just knows how to play the Belichick system, and if he were a Miami Dolphin, he probably would have been out of the league years ago, right? People make that argument about certain pitchers, like there was a pitcher 10 years ago, Aaron Cook, who was purely just a ground ball pitcher. He would throw one strikeout a night, but still throw eight innings, and all of the outs would come by way of a ground out, but that worked because the Colorado Rockies had a really good infield, including like Troy Tulowitzki and 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 Todd Helton and these guys that were just gold glove caliber guys. It worked there. And then Aaron Cook went somewhere else. And he didn't last very long. In the NHL, I would argue there are certain goaltenders, a lot of people argue that Jonathan Quick is one of them, that are a product of the team in front of them. To a degree, at some point, you have to limit the high, the high uh, volume chances, the high danger chances in front of the net. You know, kind of goes to the I article I wrote this week on Puck ah. seventy seven about the the Jets and why you know Hellebuck maybe isn't as good this year. But you have to kind of limit these things. So I think on your point, are we running out of goaltending talent? we also might be running out of good teams too in terms of how they play in front of their goaltender uh not limiting these chances you know what i mean it's it's hard to say if we're running out of that talent it goes both i ways. would say no because ultimately you know that's part of the job of hockey 
Defensemen need to learn how to defend. Goalies need to learn how to stop the puck. One way or another. They have to find a way to keep it out of the net. So if whatever they're teaching them right now isn't working, they need to find a new way to, to stop the puck. Yeah. Because the sport isn't going to change that drastically. No. You still are going to need to keep the puck out of the net. That's going to be I'm wondering there. if there's some sort of transition right now where it's you're possible. seeing a, a high-volume number of like offensive-minded players that are just kind of all coming together at one time at a peak and kind of overwhelming some of the goaltenders that we have. It's possible. And maybe it'll rebound in a couple of years. We'll have goaltenders that have been bred to stop that kind of offensive. Well, we, we see it all the time, right? They they change rules and then flow, yeah. exactly yeah. they change rules and scoring goes up, and then eventually it just goes back down again. And that's going to be the way the NHL is going to go forever. Like even say they move it to four on four one day, eventually the offense is going to dry up there too, yeah. to a degree. You know what I mean? It's yeah. never like teams are just going to get smarter. Coaches are going to get smarter. Mike Babcock is always going to watch six hours of film a day. And that's just the way it's going to be. So eventually they'll figure it out. But my answer to you is that I, maybe they're running out of goaltending talent. Or maybe scouts are just not doing a good job finding the goaltending talent. Fire the scouts. Let's do it. Scouts. Let's get rid of all the scouts. Scouts honor. The, that whole conversation really, really... Uh, reminded me that I should get Colin to Jackie on the podcast while he's home. Nice. So I might, I might work on that. Because he, he's home like weird dates, I just found out tonight. He's home like after Christmas and into the new year, which is rare. Oh, lunatic. Yep. So, I don't know. We'll get him on. Um, I don't have a good ad segue. Uh, we have a sponsor this week. <laughs> I don't have a good one this week. I don't know. I couldn't think of one. So, uh, our sponsor... You're, you could say you're fishing for a segue. I was, fi- yeah, fishing for a good segue, didn't get it, but uh, I'll tell you where you can find good fishing. Uh, this week's sponsor is Airedale Fishing and Hunting. Located in the balmy metropolis of Wawa, Ontario, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. They have 18 remote fly-in outpost camps that are all unique, and the fly-in experience helps keep the lakes pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Now, James, can you tell me? What kind of fish are found in the lake that we still cannot name? Um, trout. It's your quiz. Rainbow yeah. trout. Okay, we'll yeah. give. Okay, I'll give you trout. That's one. There's okay. four. There's three more. Four more. Three um, more. Perch. Well, there's probably a lot more, but perch is another one. Nice. Bass. I'm sure somewhere in there, but it's not one of the ones I'm ah, looking for now. Ah. Now we were also looking for northern pike. And walleye, or as it's known up in Canada, pickerel. She ain't pretty, she just looks that way. A couple of northern pikes. <sighs> Airedale is open from May 15th to October 31st, so it is closed for the year. Uh, but it is a good idea to start looking into planning your trip for next year. It is a great opportunity for a weekend away with friends or family to experience the wilderness like never before. Visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information. And begin planning your trip to Airedale today. We uh, we got a trip planned yet or what? No, I'm still trying to plan our February Winnipeg trip mm. that no one gets back to me on. Did you see the group chat or are you just... Yeah. Are you being willfully ignorant? I, I see things. Okay. I see everything. Okay. Um, I guess I'll just find out on the Monday morning if you're in the car or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just book it for a certain amount of people and if you come, you come. 
I would hate to overstep, you know. I know how much you and John like to run away to Winnipeg together, so. Well, I like it. John doesn't, but. Bill Peters had a weird quote this week, and we're going to talk about the Calgary Flames, but I'm going to segue into it with a kind of a weird quote. Uh, Bill Peters said about their contest against the Minnesota Wild, which I believe was last Thursday night? Was it last Thursday? It was last Thursday or Friday, but it was after we had put out uh, the last podcast. The non-call on Backlund tripping led to Dumba's hit three minutes later. And that is how Calgary lost the game. So he felt that Dumba was able to get away with a hit, for which he was not suspended either, I should add, uh, because the refing had gone out the window so bad that he felt Dumba could just do whatever he wanted, and that's why they lost the game. It's kind of a weird way to blame a loss. Bill Peter needs to just focus for on every, some other things. For every, like few things he does and says that I like, then he'll just come out of nowhere and it's like, he's kind of old man crazy. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, he seems like the type of guy that probably comes to the rink at 7 in the morning with a lunch bag and it's just a bunch of fucking cans of sardines in that lunch bag or something. He just eats sardines every day. Yeah. (laughs) How come I can't win the lottery? Speaking of weird lunches too, you know, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Pecha, former guest on the podcast, Used to bring three grilled cheeses to Sport Check every day, and that's all he would eat. For at least a year, I never saw him eat anything other than grilled cheese. Guy's a sociopath. Yeah, he is kind of crazy. Um, I, it's a kind of a weird thing to blame that loss on one non-called trip that wasn't on a breakaway or anything. You and I were watching the game. We were out somewhere. Uh, we were at the keg. We were. Why not tonight? Proud sponsor of this week's podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was weird. But regardless, Calgary is in the midst of a pretty good season. They end up losing tonight? I don't know. I, I think so. I didn't check. see that. I got it right oh, here. Oh, I think they won. They, they ended up winning that game? Yeah, they won in overtime. Mike Smith got pulled for letting in four goals on five shots at one point during the second period. Yeah, they won 6-5 in overtime. you will see uh, on the highlights, at least one of them was really ugly. I think it was Wayne Simmons shot it in from just inside the blue line, and it just literally beat Mike Smith far side. Like, Mike Smith was half in the net. It was pretty wild. That's, that's great, because I, I I think I had Riddick in the lineup tonight for fantasy, so that's that's good. Well, that's good. you got to win on, like, 12 minutes of hockey, so that's good. Sick. Uh, so the Calgary Flames do win. That puts them... Well, I mean, they were leading the division anyway. But that puts them... How many games above the lead... 42 points. They are so five, point up on five points up on uh, San Jose at the moment for the lead in this Pacific Division. Do you buy the Calgary Flames as a contender? We kind of talked about this a few weeks ago, but it was more so about Mike Smith being done as a good goaltender, and we sort of talked a little bit about whether or not we think the Flames are a good team. We talked a little bit because of the Phil Kessel conversation. I don't think we've actually sat down and evaluated the Calgary Flames, though, yet. I think the Flames are a great team. Yeah. Um, but they will only go as far as their two goaltenders take them. And neither of them have been, like, overly convincing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Riddick comes in for a little bit, he looks great. And Riddick's he, been good. He falls off. Yeah. And Smith comes back in, he looks great for a little bit, then he does whatever it was he did tonight. Riddick's bad hasn't been bad. And Riddick's good has been pretty good, but it hasn't come quite enough where you could 
classify him as a bona fide number one goaltender yeah. yet. I'm, I'm getting a real Chad Johnson vibe off Riddick. Sorta. Yeah. yeah, that's not a bad comparable, to be honest. The thing with Mike Smith, though, and this, like, you win the game tonight, but A, you win it against the Philadelphia Flyers, who are having all kinds of troubles on their own. And secondly, you you don't win it a way you want to be planning to win games. Now, the good news is, is good teams will find a way to win games like that. Like, that is a game where also, because we're Leaf fans, like we could say, the Leafs could win a game like that. It never used to be the case. The Leafs would go into third period, they're down 4-1, that game's not going to overtime. Now they do go to overtime, a lot of the time. Calgary's another team that can find a way to do that. You know, Winnipeg is a team that can do that kind of thing. Um, so I'll give Calgary some credit there. But at some point, they may need to make a move or two because uh, it's going to be tough to do in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Because you're going to play maybe the aforementioned Winnipeg Jets. If they have their goaltending more fine-tuned than you do, like they're already an arguably better team than the Calgary Flames on paper, so are you going to be able to beat them? I don't know. I, I, I think the Flames... One thing the Flames, too, like, and, and people, you know, maybe overlook this a little bit, too, is they have really good organizational depth in terms of prospects that they have. They have depth at every position. You know, they call up uh, Oliver Shillington, and he gets a goal and an assist on Saturday night. I was watching the game. He looked like he's a fucking Calder candidate. Those were his only two points of the year, so he's not a Calder candidate. He's only played, like, seven games, but, like, he looked fantastic. And he's another young defenseman that they can kind of lean on when they lose, you know, Brody goes down with an injury or whatever, what have you, and, and they can kind of lean on these other guys. So that helps the Flames. Yeah, no, I, I really like the makeup of their their lineup. Uh, I don't see a lot of holes in their, you know, 12 forwards. They're Not 16, really. they're, i got to admit, I think they're no one of those teams off. I was kind of wrong about. Like, Monaghan and Goudreau... Not exactly Taves and Kane, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a, just a, it's like a tier below. Yeah, but it's, it's Taves it's, and Kane light. Yeah, Taves and Kane light. But the rest sure. of the lineup is, I think, a little bit stronger than those Blackhawks teams were. At Some any of given, them, yeah. You know, and yeah. it's just the blue line for sure. It's been enough. Their blue line, yeah. Their blue line is really solid. Like their number four defenseman is Noah Hannafin, yeah. who I happen to think is a pretty good defenseman. A lot of people don't. He's going to be really good in a couple of years. I, I, I like, right really now, don't, he's doing fine. Yeah, I don't buy this shit where they think Noah Hannafin's a bust. I don't buy that. So 20, Some, 21? He's like, 20, well, he's like 22 or 23, I think, now. It's a Mitch draft, right? Oh, well, maybe he is only like 21. But uh, regardless, like he's a defenseman in the National Hockey League. Like It's going to take him time. He's on a new team. You know, it's going to take some development. He's 21. Yeah. He'll be 22 in January. He'll be fine. Yeah, I, I I still like that trade. Yeah. A lot of people think they got fleeced, and I think long-term they are going to win that trade. If. Furlan's looking great in Carolina. Dougie Hamilton's been Dougie Hamilton. You know, he's showing up every night. He's doing his job. He's going to the museum until 3 in the morning afterwards. He's having a good time. But I think there's still a lot of untapped potential in that trade for the Flames. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like if, if Mike Smith doesn't blow his knee out and... Riddick keeps the magic going. I like this team. I like this team not only to win this division, I like them to maybe go to the West Finals even and see who you get out of the Central because the Central is going to be a scrap. That's going to be a it's going to be a dogfight right to the end. Whoever comes out of that, you might be looking at a situation like last year where you know Vegas was really able to take apart the Jets systematically, 
and maybe the Calgary Flames can have, find some of that magic against a team like Nashville, Colorado, Winnipeg, whoever it ends up being. Yeah, I think there's a, a decent chance we could, we could be talking about Calgary going to the finals here. For sure, though, you think the only issue right now is the goaltending, pretty much. As long as it holds up, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just not quite convinced it's gonna hold up. But if it does, kudos, and they're they're laughing. If you were to make a bet at this moment, who is going to be starting Game One of the playoffs for the Calgary Flames in net? Mike Smith. You think so? Yeah. That is a bold take at this point. It is. Riddick is a 231 and a 921 goaltender right now, sir. Never played a playoff game. No, true. But <laughs> Mike Mike Smith looks like a waiver candidate at this point, though. That's the thing. But his uh, the, not quite that bad. But it's getting close. He, he it's had, getting really bad. He had a good game. He had a good little stretch not hey, too long ago. He, yeah, and he, tonight, he, whatever happened. Yeah, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, he can get back on track because I really don't hate Mike Smith. No. He's. I love goaltenders t- that can handle the puck, and man, oh man, can that guy handle the puck. So hey, it looks like a, an old Marty Turco back there. Oh, Marty Turco. Martin Turco. Uh, we got one more thing we we're going to talk about because we didn't really get to it last week. We sort of touched on it, and then James James made a good point about something, and then I got really distracted, and I never brought any of this up. We're going to make our predictions about Seattle. Uh, probably all of these are going to be wrong, and you shouldn't take a lot of these seriously, but we're going to kind of dive in to what we think uh, the Seattle team's going to look like uh, just on the surface. So we're going to go with the name, we'll go with the GM, we're going to go with the coach. Start with the names. What, if you were to pick, like, what's your top three? Top three. Top three. Top three. Top three. Um, <laughs> this week's top three. Uh I I I'm a I'm a fan of the Kraken idea. I like that. Yeah. Um I don't I don't see why that wouldn't work. Um it's it it is a weird concept because it would be one of the only mascots in the league where you would say you would name the team the Kraken and there'd be people outside of hockey that legitimately probably have no idea what the fucking Kraken is. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's yeah. not the most marketable name yeah. if you don't know what it is. Um, my thought on that is just open a fucking book or Google the Kraken then. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not my fault if you don't know what it is. Learn what it is. Right. Yeah. What it uh, is, soul brother. Yeah. Uh, they've already kind of come out and said that it's going to be something to do with water base. Um, the ownership group came out and made that clear. So... Uh, that does kind of kill the idea I had about naming them the Thunderbirds because I don't think they're going to be able to support the WHL team that's there right now. They could just name them the Thunderbirds after. You don't think they'll be able to support it? I don't know. Like two hockey teams in Seattle? Well, it works for tons of other big cities, though. Yeah. The Hitmen are still in Calgary. You know, the Vancouver, whatever. Okay, okay. Like, look at an American team and find where it works. Uh, you would think there's got to be something. I I, I don't know. I, I think Seattle is maybe a market that people are underrating how good of a hockey city it is, and it's going to be. Okay. I, I, I think it'll work there. Um, Like, it's not one of those cities where I think they're just moving it there because they want to promote the game better. I think they're moving it there because they know it's going to be a legitimate hockey fan base. Uh, people talk about it like it's only a basketball city. Like, yeah, it's a basketball city. They want their fucking team back. I get that. 
but it's a hockey city as well. The hockey team's going to do really well there. Anyway, my pick would be the Evergreens or the Emeralds, the Sockeyes. I like all those ones, but my, my number one would be the Kraken. And I do think they are probably going to name it that. It's going to be that or the Sockeyes. The Sockeyes takes arguably more explanation than the Kraken does. Because it's like, what the hell is a Sockeye? And then you got to explain, well, it's salmon, but... Yeah. You know. I don't like Sockeye that, that much, but... It sounds fine. I don't know if I love the idea. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It has it does have a nice ring to it, the Seattle Sockeyes, but... I don't know. Okay. It's Kraken. Kraken? Yeah. Kraken? Let's get Kraken. Let's get Kraken. Okay, now these are the fun ones. Who is going to be the general manager? Ken Holland. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Because Steve Yeisman's coming to Detroit in a year or two. And when that happens, I think Ken Holland is running out of career uh, as a general manager. Like, I, I think he's at, at the end of his, his lifespan. Ken Holland? Yeah. I think Ken Holland is not going to be with the Red Wings by then. Right. I think he is going to be involved in Seattle. I don't think he's going to be the general manager. No. I think his time is up as a general manager. Mm-hmm. He's doing a decent job digging himself out of his hole that he's created for himself in Detroit. The problem is that that was one of the uglier holes I've ever seen in a salary cap league Yeah, a year ago. Like, Abdulkader and Nielsen, those are not good contracts at all. You really didn't stock the cupboards a ton. He's doing a good job drafting and everything right now, it looks like, anyway. Mantha's going to be a good player. Larkin's a good player. And Athanasiu's a good player. You know, Zadina's coming up. So, I think he'll be involved, but I don't think he'll be the general manager. Yeah. Uh, if not him, I could see a guy like uh, Bowman, maybe. Because I don't know if he's still going to be you think so, eh? that far down the road. That's an interesting one. But... It's hard to evaluate that one, eh? It's still pretty far away. Like, it's hard. It, no, it feels weird well, to say. Well, see, that, like, that's the thing is you kind of have to take a look at where teams are going. You know, like, a guy like Shirelli could be a candidate by then. You know what I mean? And hope I hope to God for the sake of Seattle that he is not an option by then. Yeah. But, like, you would have to think he's not in Edmonton by 2021. You'd have to think Mark Bergevin is not in Montreal by then. You know, my thought based on where we're at right now, I mean, look, like a guy might come out of nowhere, a guy we've never even heard of, I kind of think it might be Ron Hextall. Hmm. I think he, I listen, I think he did a pretty good job in Philadelphia, and one of the only things he didn't do was address the goaltender. And, you know, I think he tried it. I think he thought Elliot was going to rebound. He was wrong. He tried things and he was wrong. Like, I'll give him, I'll, you know, I'll give the Flyers a little bit of room there. But you take a look at their prospect pool, they are one of the most well-lined-up organizations in the league. Like, I would argue top three in terms of what they've got that are not in the league yet. They have arguably the next Carey Price and what people say in Carter Hart. I don't know if he's going to be that good but or that bad because yeah. Carey Price sucks now. Right. You know, uh, but I think Ron Hextall did a good job there. I don't see him getting work immediately. And because of that... I could see him getting involved in Seattle. It doesn't not make sense. Mm-hmm. I, I I wonder how he would fare with an expansion process. That's another thing, right? I yeah. mean, you know, but if you're if you're going to base it on people that have been involved in expansion processes, well, right? Not necessarily involved in, just but like, like Hextall is still a fairly new GM. Like, oh, for sure. 
I, I, I think a... But some... you're also not going to hire Doug McLean to do it because he's done one before, right? No. I'm just I'm trying to find that happy medium he somewhere. He can't even remember I mean? NHL players' yeah. names. I don't know. George McPhee was the right guy at the right time oh, yeah. for Vegas. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I, I mean, you know, I was one of the few, too. I kind of looked at McPhee and I thought, well, he didn't do a great job in Washington, so how mm-hmm. good of a job is he going to do in Vegas? He did a great job. Yeah. So, you know, he had a lot of luck there, too. you got to give him that, but... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my pick's Ron Hextall. Your pick is Ken Holland. Yeah. For the co- for the general manager. General manager. For the coach. This yeah. is the hardest this, one. This is by far the This is one. more just uh, try to predict it. Maybe you'll be right kind of thing. Yeah. I have a theory. I know I have a name, but I want to hear yours first. You have a name. I, I 100% know who the next coach of Seattle is. I can guarantee you it's going to be this guy. But I want to hear your pick first. Huh. Yep. All right. Well, I don't. I haven't talked to the guy. <laughs> like I've never met him. Yeah. Um, uh, Alan Vigneault. You think so, eh? I like where you're coming from there. I think Vigneault gets hired somewhere else before then. So do I. And Oh, you think he's going to get fired by then? Yeah. Really? I don't think an Elaine Vigneault is a bad enough coach to last anywhere less than three years. I think he's a good enough coach. Like, I could see him... If St. Louis loses out on Quenville... I think that's the next logical choice. Or I think, McClellan, I guess, but I would go Vino over McClellan, to be honest with you. I, I, I think he replaces Hitch if they don't extend Hitch in Edmonton. Vino? Yeah. And I think Vino gets the same kind of treatment where the GM axes him before the GM gets axed. Maybe. I See, that that's a thing, though. You would have to think Edmonton is at the point where if they hire... Say they hire Vino this summer... And then next summer, like 2020, Shirelli goes to the ownership and they're like, yeah, I'm going to fire Vino. Like, aren't they finally getting to the point where you would think they'd just be like, uh, no. Like, you can't just keep firing people and trading people and trying to make this work. Like, you have to have a plan. It can't be reactionary. So you would think Shirelli, like, it's kind of the point I made about the Flyers where I think Hextall wanted to fire Hextall. Dave Hackstall, the coach, and he he got fired because the ownership wanted to keep him around. I think the same thing would happen in Edmonton. You would think if they hire a coach, they have a long-term plan, and a year after that, Shirelli decides he wants to bail, and then Vigneault, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I think like if you replace Shirelli, whoever you're bringing in, he's going to want his own voice. He's going to want his staple on the team. Yeah. He's probably just as likely to want to fire the coach. No, if yeah, go for bad. sure. So, and this I, is all contingent upon a Shirelli making it. Up, oh. oh well, a the Oilers picking up uh, Vigneault, and b the Oilers being bad under Vigneault, like to the point where we're talking about firing him, right? Mm-hmm. Like Connor McDavid and Alan Vigneault seems like a pretty good duo. So why wouldn't it be working? And but so, that's what I like for Seattle. It's the only reason why I hate that this is going well with Hitchcock. I yeah. really just want Shirelli gone so Edmonton can be good again. Because Edmonton was like my second favorite team growing up, and I'm just so sick of watching them be as bad as they are. You know, I've been to that city a few times. I have like a good friend there. I'll be going back. Like I would like to go back and them have a good fucking hockey team. That'd be cool. They got a nice rink. They got a best player in the league. So a lot of Canadian teams are on the right direction. So yeah. Um, 
Um, well, I, I appreciate your Elaine Vigneault pick, James. Thank you. Uh, I do have to tell you that I think the next coach of, or I think the next coach, the first coach of the Seattle Kraken is uh, going to be John Cooper. I don't think, I just, I think the Lightning are not going to win the Cup for whatever reason. I know that's a really, really weird thing to say because they're doing incredibly well. I do sort of subscribe into the fact that I think he loses them some games some nights, though, in in the players he puts out there. Like, he plays Callahan a lot. He plays some of their weaker defensemen a lot more than he should. And, you know, maybe when it's the regular season, you kind of look at that and it's like you're trying to rest your better players and, you know what I mean, use your personnel if you're still winning with Callahan on the ice for 15 minutes a night. But they kind of lost a playoff series against the Capitals last year more because of their coaching matchups. Like, Callahan was just a ridiculous minus in that series. Girardi was playing a ton of minutes against guys he shouldn't be playing against. You know, maybe they're a better, deeper team this year because now you've got players playing a bit better than they were last year. Like, they're a better team now than they probably were last year because Braden Point's gotten better. Uh, Yanni Gord is more of a reliable sort of go-to guy now. But... I could see him coaching himself into a hole in the playoffs again. And I think that team is good enough to the point where at some point they kind of have to look down and look at the coach and wonder what the hell's going on there. Because that team is so damn good on paper, they shouldn't be losing the Stanley Cup. Like, I think they're the best team on paper in the league. I don't even think it's close, to be honest with you. My only problem with John Cooper for Seattle is... I I feel like it's a really narrow window that you'd have to hit. Like, you're talking about firing John Cooper, who's got some name factor, and the results speak for themselves, and Mm -hmm. you alluded to some of his struggles. But overall, his numbers as a coach are phenomenal. Yep, he's done a good job there. Uh, Like, you're talking about him getting fired just before this Seattle team gets put together. So he's got to last another three years in Tampa but not get fired so late that Seattle you know, has to make their own decision and hire someone first. Because if you fire John Cooper too early, I think someone comes in and fires a coach to bring John Cooper in. Yeah, I uh, know. I get your theory. My thought is that they don't win the Cup this year, they don't win the Cup next year, and then we sit out a year with a lockout. Mm-hmm. And then we come back into 2021 with hot... Like, no one's firing their coach in January of a lockout year when they haven't played hockey, right? Well, I know so, a team that fired their GM in that specific uh, scenario, yeah, well, so, uh, I so I wouldn't take anything off the table. My, my thought is the timing's going to work out. I think it's a good opportunity for him to kind of do what he did in Tampa, whereas to kind of coach up a young group and bring them together and kind of mold the team into a team. Uh, my theory is also partly because he's from Prince George, British Columbia. <laughs> I thought John Cooper was American. He is dual citizenship, so ah, okay. he was born in BC. He does still have a home there, I believe, oh. but he uh, he does live in the states because he while well, he works in the states. I see. He's a hockey coach for uh, the Tampa yes, Bay Lightning, yes. sir. Okay, well, uh, so that's uh, that's our picks. We both think the Kraken. James thinks the GM will be Ken Holland. The coach will be Elaine Vigneault. I think the GM will be who did I say? Ron Hextall. <laughs> the coach will be John Cooper. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll uh, we'll dig this up and three years and see where we're at top 10 top 10 top 10 uh fuck i don't even remember how we picked this one the top 10 fictional athletes this week uh this is based on not 
just their performance in the movie, in terms of their dominance as an athlete, but also in terms of their rememberability, remem- rememberableness, mem- memorableness. There you go. As a uh, as a character. So yeah. Number ten. Number ten. Goldberg. Goldberg. From the uh, Mighty Ducks. <sighs> yeah, we combined our lists this week. I'm not a big Goldberg guy, but uh, he's memorable. He's memorable. Not the best goalie. No. More, I, I I think it's hilarious. Kind of like a Jake like, Allen, Patrick Laleem type. Strap him to the net just to make him face yeah. the puck. And yeah, it reminds me of Milhouse. Yeah, he's just a fat, funny kid. And he's a big, fat goalie. Big, fat goalie. Big, fat goalie. Big, fat goalie. Yeah, number 10 is Goldberg. Number 9, uh, Sneaky Oh, pick. sorry, from, I don't know if we actually said. From the Mighty from Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Did we say that? I, I did. Okay, well, good. You're good. Number 9, a Sneaky, Sneaky Pick. Sneaky pick. Sneaky pick. Sneaky what movie pick. is he from? Uh, <laughs> Forrest Gump. Forrest, Forrest Gump. This is your call. Yeah, my pick is Forrest Gump. Uh, listen, I should make it clear. I don't like the movie, but uh, <laughs> that is a hot take. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's it's fine. Like I'll watch it. I just I think it's one of the most overrated movies ever. It's good. It's not one of the best movies ever, and people thinks it think it is thinks it is. Me thinks it's not. Uh, but Forrest Gump is a phenomenal ping pong player. That 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 five minute bit where he's like traveling around the world and and playing ping pong and beating some of the ping pong masters, I think, is a hilarious bit. I think it, it might be my favorite part of the movie, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's a so, sport athlete, you know. He's also, yeah, he's also running, a f- running back for yeah. Alabama State, you know. Nice, and he just keep keeps on running. Keep on running. Yeah, and you know he ran across like half the United States, so he's a Marathon. freak. He, He's yeah. a fucking freak athlete, so he yeah. deserves to be on the list. Number nine, Forrest Gump. Number, nine. Uh, number eight from uh, uh, the basketball world, uh, Dave Monix. Oh, I should have put the Monstars on here. Dave uh, Monix. Uh, yep. Woody Explain Harrelson. Monix. Woody yeah. Harrelson uh, in semi-pro. Now, this is a tough. This is a tough call because uh, that that Flint Tropics roster loaded with great options. We well, Co- Coffee Black's a great Coffee player. Black. Vakaitis is, you know, uh, I'll defend Vakaitis to the death. He's a he's a good center. Owner, captain, coach Jackie Moon deserves some uh, some sure. discussion. Uh, I, I think Dave Monix was just... Uh, well, he won a ring, right? Like, didn't he, win a, he won an NBA ring sitting yeah. on the bench, but he won one. So, yeah, like, well, yeah, he got it. He's a champion. And you know what? He just he just shows up and starts nailing his old his old lady. and Rob Corddry is yeah. just right into it. He's, a little too into it. Yeah. He's an underrated part of that movie. It's fair. Yeah. Tim Meadows is too, who also thinks he's on the team, which is hilarious. But he's not on the team. Otherwise, Tim Meadows probably would have made this list. Uh, that's that's a great movie. That's an underrated film. Number seven. We should do top. No, you don't like Will Ferrell. I was going to say we should do top I like ten. Will Ferrell. Ferrell. I thought you don't. Oh, I love Will Ferrell. Oh, you just don't like Anchorman. I didn't love it when it came out. Right. I didn't fall in, like it was. It took me a, a few years. To All right. Next next week maybe we'll do top ten. Well, it's Christmas. I don't know. Maybe we'll do Christmas one next week. We should wait till that, that Sherlock Fuck. and Holmes films comes out. We can honor it. Uh, yeah. True. Yeah. And I also I forgot. I still got to do. Top ten Christmas whatever with Miranda. Mm. I got to follow through on that process. Yeah. Promise. Anyway, number seven. Uh, number seven, White Goldman. Uh, White Goodman. White Goodman. White Goodman. Yeah. Uh, a former Halloween costume of mine. White True. White Goodman is a dominant uh, dodgeball player. Now you could argue that uh, that Peter Lafleur might have been a better pick. Also, Stan, or also Fran Fran uh, Romanovia. She's from Romanovia. The Fleur is just the hero. I don't know if he's memorable as an athlete. He never. I don't. I don't remember him really doing anything great as a dodgeball player. Yeah, I guess White Goodman is. 
he does battle, and he's the last guy alive. Yeah. Right? Because Peter Lafleur comes back in. He gets yeah. eliminated, and then he comes back in. Yeah. So, yeah, you might be right. White might be the better player. Fran Stalinovskovich Dadan. Holy shit. That's like 30 letters. I didn't even... I don't remember it being that long. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Wait, go, uh, from Dodgeball. From Dodgeball. Dodgeball. No way makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah. Uh, number six, Maggie Fitzgerald. From a film that I apparently have never seen. Yeah, so, okay, so this is interesting. Like, are you off tomorrow? No. At all? No. Both two shifts? Yeah. I was going to say, are you off at all Friday? Yeah. Well, you definitely, because we're going to see The Mule, you need to watch Million Dollar Baby. um, Because Maggie Fitzgerald is a, just a, just a beast in that movie. It is more so because of her relationship with Clint Eastwood, who's training her, that kind of makes her such a memorable character. Um, that is one of the most phenomenal sports movies you'll ever see, though. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it too much, because I don't want to spoil the movie for you. But number Fair six enough. is Maggie Fitzgerald. Fair enough. Number five. Wild Thing. Ricky, Ricky Vaughn. Yeah. Charlie Sheen. Yeah. From Major League. Yeah. Big black glasses. He he deserves to be on the list, but it's not my favorite movie. He's so memorable. Come on, Charlie Sheen in everything is memorable. That was that was right around that time. Charlie that, like, Sheen is one was... of my favorite parts of Ferris Bueller, and he's got like yeah. four lines. Because he was just he was just at a plat- platoon at this point, so he was like top of the yeah top of the world, and he shows up in this this fucking baseball movie wearing these hilarious glasses because he can't see a damn thing in front of his face. I, I always had a weird tension with Major League because, like, you watch it, and it's like, you try not to take it too seriously, so you enjoy the movie, but, like, you also kind of watch it, and you're like, uh, I think this is also kind of half serious. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, really? I don't know. I just saw it as, like, slap shot, but baseball, and then... I think it's goofier than it tries to be. Maybe. But... I don't know. Yeah, just, you know, the struggling team's going to get sold off, so the guys just come together to have one last good hurrah. One thing I will say is Wild Thing is a great closer, though. Oh, yeah. Great closing pitcher. Yeah, good numbers. The Red Sox could use a closer now, so. Number four. Yep. Uh, Ricky Bobby. Shaken and bacon. Listen, just, if a NASCAR driver can basically tell his teammate to just lay off and let him win... You know, maybe Cal Naughton is actually the better driver, but Ricky Bobby put up, he put up the numbers, yeah. and he is the leader of the team, as far as I'm concerned. Um, tons of endorsements. If you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. Uh, Rick, Ricky Bobby is, without a doubt, you know, and some. I'll give Jean Girard some credit. You know, he was a great Formula One driver, and then he comes over to NASCAR and doesn't you know, all the time, you know he, no. he does well, but uh, you can't beat Ricky Bobby. No. You can't. Not sure what to do with my hands. Yeah. Number four, Ricky Bobby. Help me, Tom Cruise. Um, number three, kind of, actually kind of odd that we put them at three, because this is three people. Uh, the Hanson Brothers. <laughs> yeah, the top three are all Hanson Brothers. No. Uh, yeah, the Hanson Brothers. Yeah. I, I'm trying I, to listen to the fucking song. <laughs> I, th- I think about that at least 60% of the time when I'm at... A, a sporting event in the anthem place, <laughs> like 
In Winnipeg, it's a little different because you're waiting for the True North and you're kind of listening to, like, Stacey Natris sing. But when I'm at almost any other rink or whatever, that's all I can think of. Try to listen to the fucking song! Yeah. No. Yeah, the Hanson Brothers are great. Iconic. Um, probably, you know, the greatest hockey characters. Well, they are. That's why they're number three on our list. Yeah. They just kind of personified that era of hockey. Yep. Nailed it. The long yep. hair, the goofy glasses, and... So you're going to be sad to learn that Dean Youngblood did not make our list. Or Ross the Boss Ray. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Gord Ogilvie. Yeah. Xavier Laflamme. Everyone out there is going, who? We should put top ten sports villains. And we'll Ooh. put Xavier Laflamme number two. Nice. And the Doctor from Miracles number one. <laughs> Sick of that Doctor. Number two. Number two. Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa. What, that, is, what can you say? Alright, so this was a tiebreaker is how he ended up being number two. Uh, James had him num- number six on his list, and our number one I had fifth. So technically the, the average is higher. But it was a really close decision. Listen, the most iconic sports movie series, it's not even close. Um, you know, these are movies that I think people forget... Like, Sylvester Stallone used to be a very good actor. Like, very good. And these movies are his crowning achievement, in my opinion. There are so many memorable quotes and memorable moments from these movies. People go to Philly, and they go to, you know, there are statues of Rocky Balboa around Philly, and you can go do the Rocky tour and check out the places where it's been filmed. Like, it's part of the city's history now, and it's just, it's a movie. Well, it's several movies. Yeah. More than several. But that's what speaks to me is, is just how many films they've been able to produce, and most of them are good. Yeah, it's it's spawned its own. Back. It's spawned its own spinoff movie series now, because you got the Creed movies. Yeah, you know, um, truly iconic in my opinion, the greatest sports character of all time. However, I will not argue with number one. Number one. Uh, number one, uh, because I once created a thread on uh, Twitter of the top ten jokes. From Happy Gilmore, and I stand by my ranking Gilmore, system. Gilmore, Happy. Yep, uh, Happy Gilmore is number one. Shout out to Jake O'Neill here, favorite movie of all time for Jake. I'm pretty sure it's it's a great, great, great sports movie. I I will never get tired of that movie. I have seen it at least fifty times, and I will never get sick of it. And he's a unique he's a unique unique athlete on this list because you know he he fails at one sport. But he finds his true calling mm-hmm. in, in doing so. Yep. And Defeats arguably the greatest of all time in Shooter McGavin at the time, too. Yeah. And uh, Guy was at the top of the golf world at the time, you know? Guy guy. Went, and then by the end, the guy spends more time in the sand than David Hasselhoff. There you go. <laughs> Let's play some golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's he's one of my favorite. I should have put him on the list too. Talk I fucking about a hole in I one. love Shooter McGavin too, though. Oh my god, like he is hilarious. So happy Gilmore, top ten, the greatest uh, greatest fictional movie athlete of all time. Yep. Uh, so we got some really good ideas coming up. Uh, what I should warn you guys too, because I will forget to mention it, uh, is towards the end of January, mid January, end of January, we will be doing a Oscars month. In preparation for the Oscars, we'll be having some Oscar-based top tens in there. So, uh, if you do have any suggestions for a top ten, get it in soon because we do have uh, we do have quite a few planned. But if you want to hear something in the next few weeks, let us know. Uh, another thing I should prep you guys for: uh, 
this might not matter. We'll find out. It is possible we're going to have a little disruption in terms of our recording over the Christmas break. Uh, Apple is a little busy that time of year, and we're not really sure how they're going to be able to release some of our podcasts. So uh, there may be the week leading into New Year's you may not hear one, uh, or it might be a little delayed and you might get two the week after, or we might take a week off. We'll see what happens. I'm we're sure hoping busy at time of year anyway. Well, you don't want to listen to hockey. No, people. that's another thing too. But I am hoping we can do one because uh, I do want to talk about the World Juniors, and I do want to do a World Junior Top Ten, and I, I do want to dedicate a podcast uh, mostly to World Junior discussion because uh, I don't know about you listeners, but it's definitely mine and James's favorite. Uh, it's the most one of the favorite time of the year. Yeah, it, it is literally I, my favorite sporting event other than maybe March Madness. I but get more excited for World Juniors than I do Christmas Day. I would agree with that, yeah. for sure. No, I, I'm I'm excited for Boxing Day. I have to work eight hours that day. I'm, ex- I'm excited for it. Yeah, like you're getting off just in time for the game. Yep. I'll be sitting at home watching Denmark at 2 in the afternoon. Yep. I'm then getting ready in for your, the game. In your Denmark jersey, apparently, you're <sighs> getting ready to purchase. I, if we could get some sort of... GoFundMe thing going, folks. I don't need much. Thirty bucks. Let's get me a Denmark jersey. Go Denmark. This week's podcast sponsored by the GoFundMe page to get uh, James Cole a Denmark jersey. Denmark. Yep. So um, we're hoping everything will work in terms of recording because we also do have a guest lined up, and then maybe I'll also get Colin on. So we might have a couple guests lined up for the Christmas break. Um, So yeah. Also, if you want to be a guest on Laced Up a Hockey Podcast, let us know. If you'd like to be a sponsor on Laced Up a Hockey Podcast, let us know. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify. Spotify. Did I forget to mention anything? I hope not. Are we yeah, good? Anything to plug? Yeah. I, 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 I have an yes, article up on Puck77 about uh, the Winnipeg Jets' struggles through the first part of the season. And I'm hoping by the time you hear this, I might have another one out uh, regarding the potential offer sheet situation for Patrick Laine. It's not a thing. That's pretty much what the article's about, <laughs> is that it's not a thing. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm good. You? Nothing yet. Hoping, cool. hoping to get something on the on the site next Something week. nice and depressing about the St. Louis Blues. Oh yeah. Yeah, that should be good. Play it okay. again, Sammy. I'm good. Yeah. You good? I'm good. Okay, good night. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego.
Yeah. 